in a bed. <laughs> And welcome back to another episode of A Book and a Bev. We are your co-hosts, Bryony, Georgia, Ellie. I realise I'm pointing at you guys, but like I reckon we're all in different spots, so that's fine. It all gets yeah, absolutely mishmashed. Fine. Mishmashed. It's like the um, Brady Bunch where we can like say hello. <laughs> oh my god, hi. <laughs> this week we are back and we are reading Arrow Fire still. We are doing part two, so that is chapters 35 onwards. We are super excited. We're going to try and keep ourselves together and not, as Georgia puts it, verbally dry hump Rowan Whitehorn. So, you know, we're, we're going to try our best. What were you about to say? Rowan Whitehorn? Horn. <laughs> see, it's already Ooh. started. It's already Sorry. started. I'd like to ride his white horn. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh, Holy no. oh, dooly, Batman. <laughs> oh my god. What are we drinking this week, ladies? I am drinking Jack Daniels. And this time I'm not putting fireball in there because it <laughs> didn't make it taste very good. So Ooh. Ooh. you're welcome. Look, I'm still drinking my fireball and apple juice. So good. I like to suffer. <laughs> good. Well, we already know what I'm drinking, so we can just move straight on. <laughs> Ellie and her wine. Still oh drinking wine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. We're deciding that we are getting dizzy for Queen Lucy. Oh my god, I love that tonight. Yes. Yeah. Raise your drinks. This one's for you, Queen Lizzie. May you rest in peace. I'm so happy she doesn't have to deal with her family anymore. Mm. So we are starting part two of Air of Fire, which is actually called Air of Fire. So that works. So we're starting at chapter 35 and we are with Adian and Ren. So they're chatting and Ren asks what Adian will do if Aelin asks him to be king. Adian says he wouldn't refuse her anything if she asked, mm. which wait a minute, just wait a damn minute, Adian. That is your cousin and this is not that book. I'm deeply concerned. Yikes. Deeply concerned. Ren says that, but they burned the antler throne, Adian. There is no throne for her. And Adian responds with, then I'll build one myself from the bones of our enemies. Oh, I mean, beautiful. That is the type of energy you want in an ally, not necessarily the cousin you're going to fuck. So, <laughs> Do not fuck our cousins. Do not fuck your cousins. Kale is being a ninny again, and he's worried about what will happen when Aiden and Aelin reunite. So just, like, which, honestly, just shut the fuck up at this stage, Kale. You've done enough. Honestly. Put it away. Honestly. No one gives a flying fuck, Kale. No one About knows. whatever you're saying. So when Kale and Adian speak to some old soldiers, they go out to the pub to kind of like get information because their goal is to figure out if they can trace back and find out what happened when magic disappeared. So they're like, oh, we'll, we'll go gas bag, chin wag, all that jazz. One of the ones they speak with is from Noel. This soldier tells them about how some of his men went mad and how the king built a tower there. Similar to the clock tower, apparently the men who got sick smashed their skulls in before the soldiers could kill them quickly because they just had such bad headaches. Oh, that's interesting. It's very Sounds interesting. Kaltane, where you at? We don't know yet. Anyway, Kale realises that he needs Dorian to test his theory. Great work, Kale. You motherfucking fuck fuck. Dev oh, definitely. Oh, hang on. <laughs> hang on. You motherfucking fuck fuck. Motherfucking fuck fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so you motherfucking fuck fuck. I quite enjoy fuck that. that guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that man. Right off mm. into the sunset. No, he doesn't even deserve a sunset. He deserves 
the bottom of a dirty, dirty dog poo off the ground. <laughs> the bottom. Specifically the bottom of the dog poo. Not the top of the dog poo. Just the, the underside. <laughs> Where it's the touches. underbelly, if you will. You've got, you've got to scoop it. You've got to scoop. <clears throat> well, now we're going to leave Kale with the dog poo. And we're in the next chapter. And we're with... Manon, who may incidentally be referred to as Manon, I apologise in advance. Again, it's we're just Australian, the way my we can't help it. Mm. She's on a mission with her little pet dragon friend, Abraxox. No. Abraxox. Abraxox has socks. Abrax has socks. He would look so cute in socks. He would. Just animals wearing socks. Okay, no, we're not going to go down that tangent. <laughs> She's going on an adventure with Abraxas to find spider silk. Stay with me here. It's from Stygian. 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 That's what I'm I thought. Oh, wow. Stick it in ya. <laughs> Stick it in ya. Everyone, you're going to find your own pronunciation of this word and roll with it, but essentially they're just <laughs> giant fuck-off spiders. <laughs> they're described to be as big as horses and deadlier than poison. And that's just that's unfortunate. why. Why? Double thumbs up for that one. Super thrilled. So they're trekking up this little mountainside to find the said spiders. And obviously it's terrible weather because, of course, we're setting the scene here. They end up having to sleep in a cave during the terrible weather. And Abraxas covers her with his wing. And you're trying to tell me that these creatures don't have feelings because... He shielded her. Oh, he shielded her. It's beautiful. But anyway, we digress because we're back up on the mountainside trying to find these giant fuck of spiders. And, of course, the queen of the spiders, who is literally, just picture it, the size of a horse, but with eight legs and a spider. Yuck, Terry. It would be absolutely not. Absolutely not. Fucking gross. But essentially she says, I would like to offer you a deal so I can have some of your spider silk. And then she's like, mm, let me, let me, let me just test the goods before, before I offer you my life or whatever the fuck her trade was. Spiders, if you want some of their silk, you have to trade something of value and that might be your beauty. It might be your youth. It could be your firstborn. Like, you know, they don't just take like a Venmo of like 20 bucks. It's quite, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I owe you. <laughs> I owe you. Do you take do you take gift cards? Do you have pensioners discounts? <laughs> Would you like an iTunes voucher? <laughs> well, they they're pretty keen on what Manon's offering them, which I think is what her like. I think it's her beauty because she's fucking hot. Yes. She is fucking hot. We haven't clarified how hot she is actually. No. She would be a oh. good partner. Does she does she hook up with them one of the main boys? Not Rowan, clearly. <laughs> Oh god! Imagine oh all that all that white and silver hair. Oh my god! Oh my god! That would just oh be House god. of the Dragon. Wait, oh so she's god. she's white and silver, and he is she white and he, silver hair? She's white. He's mm. silver. So she needs dark. Who's dark? Sorry, I'm just matchmaking her now because we're we're doing opposites. Remember? Fire she's just. Eyes. When we're talking about how hot she is, just to clarify, so she does have white hair, which we know is top tier hotness in a book. White and silver is right up there. It is. Gold eyes. Gold mm. eyes. Just, mm, she's so gorgeous. Can't wait for the fan art on this. Gorgeous. She's so Gorg- gorgeous. She's, she's actually <laughs> the month of August. And <laughs> We have established giant fuck-off spiders, cold, wet weather, 
Abraxos is cute. He sometimes wears socks. Manon's hot as fuck. <laughs> this is where we're at. So just a little recap for you all. He sometimes wears socks. Depends sometimes on... he wears shoes. <laughs> oh my God. Depends on my pronunciation of his name at the time. Sometimes he's wearing socks. Sometimes he's not. Oh, my God. Anyway, the spiders bring out the silk and I'm just picturing them with like little bonnets on their head and little dresses <laughs> like, oh, here you go. Here's your silk. Like that is all I'm picturing with all of their little eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like that. Just like over their little head with all like of a their little eyes. <laughs> and then they've got like the silk up here and they're all like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For those that are audio only, we are doing a live demonstration. <laughs> oh my god! George is crying. Well, anyway, they yeah, come out with the silk, head. and Manon's like, "Manon, yeah, see what I mean?" Manon is like, "Your silk looks a little bit shit, really." <laughs> um, so you can keep that. I'm gonna keep my beauty and my youth, and you can fuck right off. And they're like, "Oh, that that sounds a bit wrong because our silk is like." A grade quality. We know how to spin silk out of our coochies. <laughs> pretty much. And Manon's like, psych, it is pretty good. I'm just joshing <laughs> you. Off I trot. And she pops onto a Braxos with her silk and they fly off into the distance. And happy days. We never think about these giant fuck off spiders again. They do have to go through some tussle. There is a little bit of a tussle there. They don't just get to like hop on the yeah the spiders the are like loop. excuse me i worked hard she's just for like that. actually i'm just gonna take this and the, the spiders are just like yeah okay go ahead <laughs> bye. bye with all the little arms <laughs> waving <laughs> in their bonnets they're like <laughs> yeah look they're not they pleased nonetheless they're not pleased with the development of <laughs> menon fucking off with their silk from their anuses but what are you gonna do nah. what are you gonna do the spiders they can't fly <laughs> <laughs> as big as a horse but what's that gonna get you mm. not very far they don't have wings nor do they have socks mm. fucking useless <laughs> they do not have socks or wings anyway jumping to the next chapter manon and abraxas are going to attempt the crossing done <gasps> done yes so his wings have been reinforced with spider silk meaning that that's like the strongest material ever in existence so that's awesome for him but it's also really shiny it is very pretty little sparkles he's just bedazzled he is he's got iron so he's shiny and if he goes through a metal detector he is buzzing (laughs) 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 he refuses obviously to go do the crossing he's absolutely fuck no and he embarrasses the hell out of Manon. Like, she is like, go. And he's like, no. Fuck you, mum. And she basically gets off him. She's in a bit of a huff and she's like, take him away. But then the yellow legs uh, comes up. You remember her? It's a cunt. That whore. Mm. She comes up and she's like, he needs to be disciplined, babe. Grabs the whip and whips him right in the face. Dishonor on her. Dishonor on yeah. her cow. <laughs> on her fucking cow. Oh, Jesus Absolutely. Christ, does she have a cow? You know, yeah, it probably doesn't have socks on because he doesn't deserve them. No, exactly right. <laughs> Is a cunt's cow does not have socks. <laughs> Note that, everyone. Yes. Avid listeners, if you're still He's with a us. a cunt, no socks. No socks for her cow. Or for her. Fuck her feet. They can yeah. hold. Like, but she no, she's the yellow yeah. legs. They're probably just out there. <laughs> what was this? Because that I imagine they're like, I just imagine they're, they're kind of walking around like chicken. Like, so they've got these robes, but the ankles are always out. 
so you can see the yellow legs. So I just imagine yeah. it. Wait, like do they skin. do they really have yellow legs? Yeah, because um, remember yeah. Selena noticed that about Bubba yellow legs when she was looking at her. Bubba, she was like, oh, see, she was I like, thought that might have just been like psoriasis or something. I, didn't I mean, it could have been think stockings. it was a trait. Well, they yellow. all just have like hereditary jaundice, and they just have a slight <laughs> tinge. <laughs> So Manon is obviously like, eat a fucking dick, you absolute motherfucker, and tackles this <laughs> sockless bitch to the ground and just beats the shit out of her. But her second Astrin stops her and is like, look at Abraxos, he's fine. Manon is still fucking pissed. She threatens Isakan and is like, you touch him. You fucking die. Pretty sure she's like, I'll guzzle the bone marrow from your bones or like skin you. Something good like that. Something fucked, which is just brilliant. When Manon goes to Theobraxos the next day, the blue blood heir is waiting for her and she says that her women caught a fresh goat. And he, she wanted to share it with Abraxos, which is very cute. They are besties. They are in love. Manon is like, wait, like, how do you know that your women wants my women to eat that goat? Like, that's weird. And then she's like, doesn't your women talk to you too? And Manon is trying to play it down like, you're fucking crazy, bitch. But really, inside, she's quaking because he indeed does talk to her. Everyone talks to their animals. And if you act like they don't understand mm. it, you are fucking lying. Anyway, we go into the next chapter and Aelin is tattooing Rowan because remember she burnt off part of his like risks and stuff when they were fighting and she was being like, don't put people in danger. And so they start opening up and swapping stories and we almost, almost get a who did this to you moment where she says that like the crown is another set of shackles and he's like, bitch, like, excuse me, what? Another pair? What is that? And she's like, oh, you know, it's just a metaphor. Because at this stage, she's still not telling him about Endovia. So she's like, it's chill. It's, uh, it's fine. There's nothing to see here. But she is like, I bet you say all of this stuff to, like, all the lost princesses dealing with emotional and generational trauma. Like, I bet I'm just not unique. And he is like, bitch, no. From the quote we get is, a feral smile. And he grabbed her by the chin, not hard enough to hurt, but to get her to look at him. Which also, just to start with, that is so hot. But focus, bro. So hot. So hot. First thing, he breathes, we're not friends. I'm still training you, and that means you're still under my command. The flicker of hurt must have shown because he leaned closer, his grip tightening on her jaw. Second, whatever we are, whatever this is, I'm still figuring it out too. So if I'm going to give you the space you deserve to sort yourself out, then you can damn well give it to me. Yes, in fact, we will be giving it to you and we will be figuring it all out, all of the deplorable ways that you can do anything you want to me, Daddy Trauma. Oh, my goodness gracious me. He's mm -hmm. so hot. Sarah had no right, no right no doing right. this. I remember reading this bit and I was like, oh, he doesn't want to be friends with her. But then he was like, I don't know what we are. And I'm like, oh, so we're not friends. We're more than friends. We're, we're not friends. friends. <laughs> never thought I'd be so excited to not be friends. <laughs> oh, so, so hot. So fucking hot. Well, unfortunately, we're leaving that now. No. To go jump in bed with Dorian and Saoirse. Oh, Dorian. And it's not a sexy bed sharing time. No, it's just like sharing time, but horizontal. Oh. So, fun <laughs> for everyone. Horizontal sharing. <laughs> horizontal sharing of bed with no penetration. Mm-hmm. Zero penetration. J just some hand-holding. Mm. That's it. That's it. But they're still keeping everything a secret for her 
protection because remember she saw his magic hands she is helping treat his sexually transmitted (laughs) disease quietly (laughs) because if people find out his reputation would be ruined so he ends up catching her staring at him and he thinks that it's the same way Selena used to look at Kale, which Whoa. in retrospect was probably just a look of near contemptness because she was just settling for that bastard. But that's all right. She ends up telling him her greatest wish is to be able to be with him, essentially, which is all Dorian has ever wanted to hear in his entire sad little life. Literally. But of course, he's like, like, oh my God, sign me up, sign me up. Let's get married right now. We're going to have seven children and they're all (laughs) going to be named Dorian. Let's go. (laughs) Unfortunately, they cannot because obligations and that's not and the chlamydia aspect of it all. We go on to have some dialogue with our dear friend, Kale, because of course I'm back to talking about Kale. That's all I'm fucking doing anymore. (laughs) Dorian has an inner monologue that he now loves Selena just as a friend because you can have platonic friendships with women that do not have to be you falling in love with them. He's learning this. We all applaud him for coming to this discovery. But then there is this quote. You cannot pick and choose what parts of her to love. He pitied Kale, he realised. His heart hurt for his friend, for all that Kale had surely been realising these past few months, just as you cannot pick which part of me you accept. As for Selena, you do not have the right to wish she were not what she is. The only thing you have a right to do is decide whether you are her enemy or her friend. Oh, Dorian. 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 Coming out with the wisdom. (laughs) That's like one of my favorite Dorian quotes. Like he is just an actual true friend to her. Like, and she Mm -hmm. doesn't even realize how much he's standing up for her right now. No, No. he's come a long way because in the start of the last book, he was sort of like, you sure you still don't want to bang? Like, yeah, are you sure this whole pushing me away isn't just you playing hard to get? And she's like, no, seriously, (laughs) fuck off. I'm in love with your best friend. (laughs) But since then now he's in love with some other hoe so we all we all can grow and change she's not a hoe she's quite sweet she's a headless hoe oh I'm sorry right Dorian is believing that Selena will come back for him because she understands his burdens of having a sexually transmitted disease and it's not I'm sure that's the burden. She's they're talking about you. I'm unsure, but okay. Okay. Keep going. We're going to run with this analogy, guys. We're going to run with it. Magic because sexually transmitted disease. Uh, Yeah. It is, it is. Oh, it really is what he's talking about. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, fair. Mm. (laughs) Because she doesn't think he's going to come back. She's going to come back as a threat to him and his chlamydia. She's going to come back as like some gentle steroid cream (laughs) to help him. Oh, no, Ellie! I told you I was going to hold it. I was going to come through the other end and I did. Proud of myself. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. He's happy for her to come back because she's his friend now. Essentially, that's what we've gotten to the point of with this mm. horizontal bed sharing secret. Well, he's telling. not in the bed anymore. He's with Kale. He's not. He's vertical. We're now talking to Kale. They're Things not. Getting they're confusing. not. They're not in the bed, even though they we're should all be. in the bed together okay. in a threesome of love and chlamydia. It's a beautiful time. We share it's just a gangbang. Just a giant fucking gaggle of dicks. <laughs> 
Oh dear. Anyway, yeah. beautiful moment to end on. Dorian is essentially like, I've already made my choice about Selena and I hope that when the time comes, yours is the same. Beautiful work. We then move on. Kale's now talking to Adian and they're talking with that gentleman, Ren, who, again, his relevance I haven't quite come to at this point, but I'm sure he'll make appearances in later books. Essentially, they're talking about a pirate. It's not Jack Sparrow. His name is Rolf. So there's a few other bits and pieces along with the pirate lord. There's something about Skulls Bay. It's all just gotten into like a very different weird territory, but it it comes relevant, so stay with us. Apparently, Rolf thinks that there are monsters on the Dead Islands, which would make sense given that they're called the Dead Islands. Not unusual. There was this weird-looking man wearing a black collar. I'm assuming it's not in, like, a sexual way. He wasn't just some submissive being dragged along by a collar on the beach. Nope, turns out not the case. But Kale and Adian have it out because Adian is like, pick a fucking side, you Swiss motherfucker. You can't be angry when people make decisions just because you can't seem to locate your backbone. Next chapter, Rowan and Aelin are still training. Rowan tells her of his adventures and how he is like a true ancient warrior. Aelin starts to hate Maeve for taking advantage of Rowan's grief and making him blind sworn to her but that's fine that's just drizzled in there next minute it is Beltane and people start to call her Aelin Fireheart or Aelin of the Wildfire I love it but also this bitch has too many names it's too much yeah it is she's too many people Aelin also starts getting a little bit jealous because like women are walking past and they're looking at Rowan and I mean even men are looking at Rowan we're all just standing in the corner being like hi Rowan (laughs) (laughs) hi Rowan Hi, Rowan. Looking great today, Rowan. I didn't see where your hands were when you were doing that demonstration, (laughs) so I was like, (laughs) in the corner. (laughs) We're all just wanking in the corner. Standing in the corner, just flicking the bean. Eyes up here. Rowan, eyes up here. Um, We're not doing anything. Eyes up here. Back at Beltane, not wanking in the corner. Rowan decides this is another teachable moment, which, I mean, Rowan has such a good track record with this. How could this go wrong? So Aelin's job is to keep the fires burning all night. And, like, nearby, Rowan is just muttering words of validation like she's a nervous horse. And so that was just fantastic for me. I really enjoyed that. But she ends up getting lost in the music and starts to head towards a burnout. Not just, like, doing a burnout in the car park, doing some durries. Like, no, she is, like, crashing (laughs) in the bottom of her magic well. Doing some some durries. Isn't that a, like, smoke? Yeah, but I just thought I'd add some culture. (laughs) So... At this stage, Aelin is not doing diaries, but she is burning out. And Rowan is like, oh, fuck, I'm sorry. You need to calm down. But she can't. She cannot, in fact, calm down. And it is just not going well. And he just steals, like, the air from her lungs. Because that's the only way to basically stop her from burning. He then lifts her into his arms while she is burning hot. Like, actual burning hot and runs. And then we get this, like, nod to Akatar and Feyre holding onto the bond. Where we get this quote, which is, she pulls pulled his smell into her lungs, pulled it down deep and clung to it as though it were a lifeline tossed into a stormy sea. Oh, and it's like you want so badly. Like at this stage, you're just like, there has to be more. Mm-hmm. To- so this was just like one of those moments where I was like, I'm latching onto this. This is a sign from God. <laughs> to be mates. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fully my mindset right now. It's like, I don't yeah. know how this series is going to end up, but if they're not happily in love by the end of it, I will rage. Happy endings are for the week. <laughs> 
do not do this to me. I, I refuse to read the rest of it. I will Absolutely refuse. not. We will tie you to a bed and not in a kinky way. Oh, I will do it in a kinky way. <laughs> <laughs> Bryony's like got the book in front of her and I've got the whips and paddles. <laughs> so Rowan runs with her and they end up getting her into a freezing bath, which she boils it and Rowan has to freeze it and they go back and forth like that for a while. And we get this quote, ice and fire, frost and embers, locked in a battle, pushing and pulling. Beneath it, she could almost taste Rowan's steel will slamming against her magic, a will that refused to let the fire burn her into nothing. Oh, my God. Oh. Look, I also would really like to feel Rowan's steel slamming into me, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Rowan's steel slam me into next week. Thank you yes. very much. If Please. that's how I go, that's how I go. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I'll go doing what I love. <laughs> Getting absolutely ploughed. <laughs> Oh, he's but so hot. Move on from there. And basically, Alan is now cool. She's not cool as in, like, hey, what's up? <laughs> She's not cool as a cucumber. <laughs> She's like, her I'm physical just... temperature is increased. I'm picturing her being like Joey Tribbiani, like, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, literally. Anyway, so she cools down her bodily temperature, and Rowan is like, you, motherfucker, have to recognize the signs of a burnout and stop and like as he's saying this conversation with her he's like got like a really like a cool damp cloth and is like running it over her forehead as she's in the bath and like oh my god i'm squealing squealing i love it i love it so much and then we get this next part which might just be my favorite part of this book because it is my favorite trope of all time he exits the bathroom for a period of time he comes back in and she's like having a contemplative moment she's like like this yeah she's hunched she's over her knees in the bath so her back is on full display remember her back covered in scars from her time as a slave that he isn't aware of yet oh my god obviously he walks in and he stops dead in his tracks dead in his tracks and all we get is who did that to you And I swear to God, whichever, whoever is watching over us right now. So obviously he's like, what the fucking fuck? Because her back is fucked. We've, we've, we know it's fucked. So she ends up telling him about Endovia. And when she looks at him and like the cold, lethal, calm rage is over his face. As he's leaving... Because he's obviously shook it by this news. He is like, what the motherfucking fuck? We get this quote. He turned on his heel and shut the door behind him. She wished he'd slammed it. Wished he'd shattered it. But he closed it with barely more than a click and did not return. I would also like him to slam me. (laughs) Into a door? (laughs) Like a door. Just boom. (laughs) (laughs) I would like him to slam into me. Mm Mm-hmm. Repeatedly. Yeah. Break my back like a wooden door. Slam me up against a door. Slam me through the door. (laughs) Slam me in the door. Like, get the door, slam me in it. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) We then jump forward to the next chapter and we are in Daddy Trollman's point of view. And he is soaring in his hawk form, just like through the sky. He's having a moment. Any ways. 
expecting <laughs> classical musical in this episode. Absolutely not, but here we are. But he's just like Soren, and we get this quote, which is, the gods knew he'd seen plenty of harrowing injuries. He'd bestowed plenty of them on his enemies and friends alike. In the grand sense of things, her back wasn't even close to some of those wounds. Yet when he'd seen it, his heart had clean stopped. And for a moment, there had been an overwhelming silence in his mind. He wants to rip apart the people, the world, everyone who had done that to her with his bare hands. The, the hands the hands hands not just rip apart the world but rip it apart like it's a roast chicken he wants to go and speak to Maeve and ask her why she didn't tell him about Aelin's past but he realizes that Maeve would probably even just order him to stay away from Aelin and he doesn't want that and he also realizes that the way he kind of just stormed out and maybe giving the wrong impression so he's like oh shit I got a skedaddle so he goes back and is like Cool, 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 cool. I'm good. Uh, but really, internally, he's just like screaming. But yeah. don't we just love that moment of reflection? Like in the mm. moment, he was able to gather his thoughts and be like, do you know what? In this moment, this is what she needs from me. It's not about what I need. It's just perfect. He's the perfect man. what he needs. I honestly, yeah, he did punch her in the face that one time, <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> Technicalities. <laughs> Semantics, semantics, man. <laughs> right. Well, Rowan comes back and gets her from her room. He, he's like, you know what? You're, you're now my roomie. Hop you pop into my bed. And she's like, oh. hop you pop. And it's like, if that man was like, you must now sleep in my bed, I'd be like, in say less. Say less. I'm sorry. Here I, I wear clothes to bed. Aaron basically doesn't wear clothes to bed. She's like, I, no. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be. Fuck that up. I'd be like, you know what? She's freshly lasered. She's here. <laughs> she's ready. <laughs> yeah, for a minute, I thought you were meaning that she is freshly lasered because she's burnt it so thoroughly. <laughs> like, well, look, that's probably happened as well. She'd be as smooth as a dog. She'd singed all her hairs off. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I love that we've just ruined one of the most beloved sea mammals. We're like, ah, they're perfect. Because they rape things. They're yes, rapists. we have covered that. We have. Right. So we're in Rowan's bed. We're here. We're, we're not starfishing in that bed. We are fully participating in all of any and all activities. <laughs> yes. But all of my dreams are coming true. She holds his hand and tells him the story of what happened. Losing Sam, her life so far. And when she wakes up, she realizes that they're still holding hands. And now her hand is like clasped and on his chest oh my god it, it's too much it's too much but then we get this quote something molten rushed through her pouring over every crack and fracture still left gaping and open not to hurt or mar but to weld to forge Oh my god, because that they're is fucking brilliant. They're fucking oh. mates. They are fucking mates. I know he had a mate that died, which that, that was not his mate, okay? It wasn't. It wasn't. In my mind, she's just a fucking side chick. This has to be more but than a cousin. She was bond. his mate. She was. So but how do you like I am like Okay. I get because I was the exact same the first time I read it through. I was like, they have to be mates. My logic. It's a very Agatha. reasonable conclusion to draw. Akita. They have to like mask her scent because it's that like dominant. And you're telling me that his pregnant mate, he didn't pick up on that vibe before he left. And all the little things, I think I'm also very much in love with him. So like they, and you know me, like the men I date can't have a past. It's just, I am the only woman in their lives. Well, they don't have to be mates to be, like, lovers. No, they have to be mates. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Jumping to the next chapter, Rowan is fussing over Aelin. And it is so fucking cute. I die. I die. I scream. Aelin asks if magic is basically like either you stop or like you burn out. There's no in between. And we also at this stage learn about these things called a karanam, which is a blood bond essentially where they can like share power. Super interesting. Super interesting. Super interesting. Super interesting. That that sounds like a bond. It's a lot of bonds. It's just bondage. They're actually bondage. really into BDSM. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> He's like, I hear um, you've liked whips. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Ellie! Ellie! <laughs> I'm sorry. Your safe word is um, Terrison. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. I'm sorry. <laughs> so God, guys. So, going from that, she basically asks Rowan if any of his friends, aka like the kitty cat, Gabriel, would like a woman, her to be exact. And he's like, no, they wouldn't like you. <laughs> Which is like, thanks for the confidence boost. He's like, how to act like um, a very good love interest is I think you'd be better off if you died 10 years ago. I'm going to punch mm. you in the head and then um, <laughs> absolutely not. You can't fuck my friends. No one likes you, basically. Again, the perfect man in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so he tells her that a gifted healer could help erase her scars but she says that they serve as a reminder for what she needs to do moving forward, which is part one basically is like save the slaves. She's like, I've got to, I've got to yeah. do this. Rowan is basically like what happened 10 years ago and Aelin can't let it out. She describes it as like a monster that dwells within her that she keeps on a tight leash. She's like, she has to be Selena, not Aelin because she can't face that monster. They get into bed next to each other and he like strokes her hair, which is just beautiful. We get this quote, which is, at least if you're going to hell, then we'll be there together. I love that. I love that. And then we go from that to this. He let out a soft laugh, but continued stroking her hair. You have no idea. She smiled against the pillow and his hand stilled for a moment, then started again. Because oh. he was like hypnotized by her beautiful smile. You know? It is too much for me I to cope I get weak with. in the fucking knees. I get weak in the vagina thinking uh, about it. My knees are already weak because <laughs> I have like the knees of a 16-year-old, so it's already not good for me. Aylin ends up falling asleep and over the next few days... Like, he looks after her, like we said. He's, like, fussing over her. Her birthday comes and she turns 19 and Rowan leaves her alone and then gets mad that she thought that was, like, her birthday present was him, like, leaving her alone. So he ends up buying her chocolates, which is just so cute because that's how you get into my heart, son. Next up, he's in my pants. Son. Anyways. <laughs> that's how you get into my bed, son. <laughs> I like you all were so focused on the son. You missed me saying he was in my pants. <laughs> I mean, we're not surprised by that, but I was surprised by the son. When did he Look, become your child? We don't want sons in our pants. We don't. It's not that relationship. <laughs> oh, we do not. Jesus. So he won't let her hug him in like, thank you. So when he's not looking, she like runs up behind him and while he's working and like gives him a hug and kisses him on the cheek and he snarls and like waves her off. But like she knows. He let her pass his defences. So then they're back to training when she's back up and running and he says that he needs her to use her magic and weld it into, like, fire weapons. Like fire swords noodles. And stuff. Fire noodles. The fire noodles are becoming, like, 
utensils. Like he says that it should be hard for her because obviously she's had her assassin training. So she's already got a bit of a head start where other people learning magic might not. And so Aelin responds with, first chocolates on my birthday, now an actual compliment. His eyes narrowed and then they had yet another of their wordless conversations. The more you talk, the more I'm going to make you pay in a moment. She smiled slightly. Apologies, master. I'm yours to instruct, brat. Just wordless so conversations. Wordless conversations. He calls her brat. She calls him master. There's a lot happening here and my little pelvis can't take it. Oh, my it's like, little pelvis. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like my little pony, but not. Uh. It's the porn version. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, God. So we leave that trauma bomb behind. It's just, no, no. And he ends up hitting her with daggers made of ice until she has had enough and decides that she is sick of her magic controlling her. And she thinks that she was no one's slave anymore and basically is able to turn her flames into a shield. She does this for a few weeks. Then one morning she slips from the room she shared with Rowan and begins to practice on her own. Which is beautiful. I love that for her. Yes, come through, sweetie. So we jump to the next chapter and we're in Manon's point of view. And basically Manon's grandmother isn't happy that Manon hasn't made the crossing yet. She's like, bitch, what are you doing? Time is of the essence, motherfucker. And she's like, you got to do it tomorrow. Time's up. Let's go. Let's fight. And she basically makes a blood promise that if she doesn't win the war games and if she survives the crossing, her grandma's going to kill her. She's going to yeet her from the chat. Just get rid of her. Seems like a very healthy relationship. Very healthy. I fucking hate her grandmother. Her grandmother is a right cunt. The next day, they're all ready to go. And her grandmother is, of course, being a fuck face. And Abraxas isn't happy. He's growling at Manon's grandmother, which is like the high witch or whatever the fuck she is. So, like, that ain't good. And all of the 13 reach for their weapons as if to say, like, like for them to choose Manon over the high witch. I'm like, that is screaming something. So Manon is then like to Abraxas. You just need to pull your fucking socks up and do it once. Just one time. <laughs> pull your socks up. Do it once. And then she's like, everyone's going to shut the fuck up when you do it. And then you can hear the bait beasts from the pit of the caves. And they're beating their feet like it's a drum. So like, I can just imagine them all just like jumping like, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, In their yeah. little socks. They're all like. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. And she's like, this is for you. You are one of the 13 and you are mine. And he's like, I am mummy. Petra and some of the blue blood witches are beating their daggers and swords along with the sound. Oh, beating off. They're just beating <laughs> off in the corner. They're just like. <laughs> in supportive wank. Moral support masturbation. <laughs> so we're all beating off. It's grand time. And they make the crossing. It's beautiful. There's jizz everywhere. She ends up feeling this tightening in her chest and it's like no shit love it's your heart so then we're in the next chapter and rowan sees aelin practicing one morning she's basically using the shield that's around the fort to fight herself so she like throws magic at it and it bounces back at her and she deflects and each day the training goes by and she's learning more and more about manipulating her magic she's getting more comfortable with it and she says that she can feel her and rowan's magic practicing together playing together it's just really hot, but that's fine. Little little fire noodles canoodling. <laughs> it's a fire noodle canoodle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so 
Some nights, Aelin wakes up and reaches for Kale next to her, but she knows that can never happen again. Damn straight, because how, why would you even think of that white vanilla bread? And uh, like when you're next to this saucy, saucy man, it's just not right. At this stage, there's also like more deaths, like all these Debbie Faye bodies being found, but no one knows what's up. When they get a new sighting, they go and there's like black blood everywhere, along with the person's blood, which is super interesting. And Aelin realises that it's the same blood as the creature from back in the castle under the clock tower, which is very alarming. Aelin, for some stupid fucking reason, can't stop thinking about Kale as they travel back from this murder site. And she's like, what if he was my mate? And she asks Rowan if people can hurt their mates because, like, remember, she nearly killed him. And Rowan tells her that physically it... The mating bond is so strong that they can't kill their mates. And she realises, obviously, that that means Kale was not, in fact, her mate. He does not pass go. He does not collect $200. And then Aelin has this super, super interesting thought, which is incredibly relatable, where she goes, maybe I should fuck Rowan to get over Kale. And I'm like, yes, maybe you should. But then she's like, oh, but he has no interest in me. You silly, silly sausage. You silly bitch. I get that though. I do get that when you think it's all in your head Mm. and you're like manufacturing the attraction. Look, at this stage, imagine I meet Henry Cavill and I'm like, I've planned our lives. And he's like, what is your name? (laughs) (laughs) We're moving right on on now. Right on on. So they come across a bunch of caves and surprise, the Ardalan army hiding in said caves with three fucking weird ass creatures and just like a bunch of mortals so general narok who's a part of ardalan's army he is who the king happened to mention at the end of book two that he was going to send a a a message to to be like get ready son so general narok is also a weird fucking creature and they are experimenting on the demifei which does not sound like a good idea. In fact, that sounds quite racist. So that is super problematic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So apparently they're waiting for something and Aelin thinks it's to attack the demi at the fortress, which would mm. make sense given that that is where they do in fact live and they are in fact killing them. So yeah, that, yes. that tracks good deduction. It does. So then one of the creatures starts emerging from the cave and her and Rowan enter their next fight scene. Dun, dun, dun! Dun! So, the creature disappears, and then Neckman, it reappears behind Aelin and catches her in its power. It's the, it's the darkness. And then it starts feeding on her emotions. It's just gobbling up all that trauma. It's a tasty snack. Rowan saves her by biting her again. Another num nom nom moment. Um, to basically get her head out of the creature's grasps. Um, I definitely thought run... you were going to say get her head out of the creature's ass. <laughs> and I was like, what is it doing? She is wearing him like a hat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. so they run and she has an idea. She's like, I'm going to introduce my new friend to my old friends, the Skinwalkers. So that's a big yikes. So she starts running. They start running, leading the creature towards where the skinwalkers are. They can hear them chatting. And then Rowan wisps her away and, like, hugs her and sends her scent on the trail to find the skinwalkers while he's smothering her. They spend, like, a whole night, like, basically canoodling in a tree 
to hide and it's very very attractive and then Rowan does some more beautiful things and he he takes charge because he is a man with experience they obviously know that like Ardlin is coming for the fort they're going to kill everyone hide the wives hide the children type vibe so they write to the king of Wendelin and he advises that he'll send as many men as he can spare but they know that Maeve won't help Aelin is like dude Maeve sucks. And Daddy Trauma is like, yes, I know, but what can I do? Because I'm bloodsworn, so my hands are really tied there. Aelin has this thought where she wants to ask him to leave with her and, like, to come back to Ardlin with her. And we get this quote where it's, but saying that she wished he could return with her to Ardlin to Terrison was pointless. He had no way to break his oath to Maeve, and she had nothing to entice him with, even if he could. She was not a queen. She had no plans to be one, and even if she had a kingdom to give him, if he were free, telling him all of that was useless. So she left Rowan in the hall, but it did not stop her from wishing she could keep him. I would also like to keep him. Well, here's some bad news. They find out that there was an uprising in the Calcutta slave camps, and that the king of Ardalan sent soldiers down and slaughtered every single slave there and in Endrobia. So obviously our girl wants to essentially just fucking die at this news and runs out and finds a spot far away from everyone and starts pouring out her magic to try and burn out. So Dorian and Kale are in a meeting with the king and other nobles. (sighs) His father ends up breaking the news about the Calcala mine and the Endovia Mines, and Dorian is fully shook by this news. He goes to see Sorsha afterwards and is like, you need to get the fuck out of here. Like, it's not safe. But she refuses to leave him. And then we also then, after this, get this mini side story of how there was, like, a huge orchestra playing at the Royal Theatre. But they found out about the slave camps uprising, and then when the orchestra comes out, they sing the song of all the slave continents, so, like, Terrison, Ilway, etc. And then the Royal Theatre is shut down and the orchestra is never seen again. I really enjoy throughout this series where you see the artists taking a stand. Like we've had Rena Goldsmith as well. We've Mm. now got the choir. I really enjoy that you see that form of activism. No, I really enjoy that too. That's something I hadn't really connected. So yay for art. Right. So Rowan is watching her and he's like, you need to leave. Wendelin isn't coming to help. And she's like, well, fuck a duck. If you're staying here too, then so am I. Where you go, I go. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Let's fuck shit up. It's actually a lot more beautiful than that. It was sort of along the lines of, if you need to stay here, we stay here. I stay with you to whatever end. Yeah, because she's like, if he's like, I'll take you to Wendland. You can get the answers you want. And she's like, well, no, you're needed here. So I will stay. And he's like, well, well, I'll obviously stay then. (laughs) I'm obviously here. He then hands her his dagger and says, Fireheart. It's beautiful, but there's no time for trauma because there's a battle to be had and there's people to fuck up. So they start planning everything and she learns that Rowan sent word for his cadre, a.k.a. his fairy friends. A.k.a. (laughs) Bryony's future Wachus setup is just all of them. Oh. (laughs) All of them. All of them. In their... Male form. 
not. Yeah, I didn't think I had to clarify that, Ellie. <laughs> so Aelin then tells him that she claims him as her friend and she doesn't care what he has to say about it. Which is really quite nice. She's like, we're friends now, whether you like it or not. I kind of feel like that's how Bryony made friends with all of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> was like, you are now my friend. Hello, <laughs> would you like to do a podcast? We're all in the group chat now. Uh, you're welcome. So the next morning, Rowan is like, wake the fuck up, bitch. And we find out that someone has betrayed them and sent word to the soldiers that are like, because they are coming, they know all the trippy traps, everything is going on. Nick Min, too late. They're actually already here. They're like, knock, 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 time for death. And they're all so... Oh. Cri- <laughs> knock, 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 time Who's for death. <laughs> so they're also creeping through like tunnels under the castle to do like a sneak attack. And Aelin is like, I must defeat the enemy with my fire noodles. But to do that, I need to get close. And that means possibly coming under their like persuasive control. Rowan is like, don't you fucking dare. And she's like, I need to do this. And he doesn't stop her. But he's just like, hold the line because the soldiers are coming in the back entrance. And he's like, absolutely not. That is an exit only. (laughs) I love this bit because he's like, he doesn't like. He doesn't try to stop her. No. No. He doesn't try to tell her what to do. He doesn't. He's just like, I understand that you are strong enough. I believe in you. But don't do anything fucking stupid, please. And she is like, absolutely I will do something stupid. I shall. Um, And the chapter ends with her basically breaking over the line to try and take a stab at the Volg. And then at this stage in the next chapter, she's fending off three demons with her fire magic. And we get this quote where it was second nature somehow that flames leapt down her blade as she struck back, willing fire into the sword itself. When it met the black iron of the creature, blue sparks danced so bright that she dared look into the creature's face to glimpse surprise, horror, rage the hilt of the sword was warming comforting in her hand and the red stone glowed as if with a fire of its own which also this isn't the first time she has put her magic into a sword because she did that when she broke the earth in the portal in crown of midnight so she's just got a trend going on correct aelin realizes that these creatures that ardlin are sending are actually the vogue and she's like whoa that is a big, big dramatic plot point that I need to take note of for future reference. And one of them says to her, I shall enjoy devouring you from the inside out. She's at breaking point and is nearly, nearly tapping out. But then the cadre arrives and it's like an animals of farthing wood moment. Where like all the little creatures are running over the hills. That's um, how they're running as well. And then there's just Lorkin, because Lorkin doesn't have an animal form, so there's just a giant fuck-off man. (laughs) I just picture happy tree friends. This whole scene is basically fucking crazy. Obviously, between the animals of Farthingwood and the happy tree friends, it's just a big, big, big trip. She ends up basically using her magic to create a safe passage for the cadre to get into the fort to go help Rowan. And, like, Gavriel is the only one that pauses to and looks back at her, but she's like, get the fuck out of here. So then we're in Rowan's point of view and we meet the cadre and there's Vaughn, Gavriel, Lorcan, and then two twin wolves. So Gavriel is, like, to Rowan, like, she ain't okay. <laughs> and, like, we get this moment where Rowan is like, where is she? 
It's like Gabrielle saying that she's not okay is kind of like when we had to call George's boyfriend to be like, bro, you've got to come pick her up because she's vomiting on Claire's shoes. Damn it, <laughs> Bonnie. Why would we mention this? It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's Claire, we miss you. But indeed, uh, Aylan is not doing well. Nope. She is losing. And when Rowan sees her, he goes so feral that Gabriel needs to pin him to the ground. And we get this quote. Are you fucking ready? Put on your bloody, what are they called? Your bonnets. Hold on. Rowan was screaming as the creature pulled her into its arms as she stopped fighting as her flames winked out and darkness swallowed her whole. He was (gasps) screaming. And, like, the fact that Gabriel had to pin him to the ground. Mm. Anyways, at this stage, fuck, she is like being devoured by darkness that is reliving her worst nightmares. In these nightmares, she's whipped by Sam and Nehemia. And like for the Vogue, she is a buffet of trauma-sized snacks. And they slam right through every twisted thing she has ever experienced. And it's this whole terrifying, stressful situation that makes us want to crawl up in a ball and die along with her. God damn. So she's then in a memory of first meeting the king of Adeline Adeline and her like nurse maid, nanny, mum's best friend, her name's Lady Marion. She's there with her daughter, Elide, and we see for the first time when Aelin met Dorian and thought that he looked so lonely that they could have been friends. And Dorian also says that he has a friend and it's the future Lord of Anil. Because I only do anal with my friends. (laughs) (laughs) They're like 10. Not gay if it's in the past. In fact, it is. It still is. That, in fact, does make it, yes. Yes. Anyway, during this dinner, she essentially says to Dorian that he eats very posh. Was it posh? How did she phrase it? Eats like a lady. Yes. He eats like a lady and he's just like, I eat like a prince. And you just know that's what Prince William would have said. Oh, fucking true. It's during this dinner that the king starts to use his power on her. And she says it feels like a worm crawling in her mind and it makes her feel horrendous. And at the time, everyone just thought it was Maeve because Maeve's always had this, like, weird interest in her. Yeah. So her family has always tried to keep her from Maeve as well. Like, even when people were sick, you couldn't contact the Fae because Maeve would come. She then keeps having flashbacks, and we finally see the day that Aelin's parents died. So Lady and Mary, Lady and... <laughs> mm. Sounds like a weird, like, ladle. It's called a Lady and... <laughs> the Lady and... and- it has like flute holes, so as you ladle, you can play the flute. So it's a ladian. I don't know. I don't fucking know. <laughs> the, the actual fuck. Not ladian. Lady Marion protects her and gives her time to escape when the person who tried to kill her comes back. They're hiding in the kitchen. The assassin comes back, and Lady Marion is like, You've got to go. You've you got to yeet on out of here. I'll buy you some time. And essentially in doing that, she's leaving her daughter behind to save her kingdom and their heir. And this is the part of Aelin's history that she struggles with the most because she feels like it was the ultimate sacrifice that she can never live up to. So at this point, she thinks she is dead and in hell, which is where we're all going, but she's not. She sees little Aelin next to her telling her to get up 
and then Sam, and then Nehemia, and then her parents, and they all tell her to get up. And she gets up, and it's beautiful. But get this quote, she would fill the world with it, with her light, her gift. She would light up the darkness so brightly that all who were lost or wounded or broken would find their way to it, a beacon for those who still dwelled in that abyss. It would not take a monster to destroy a monster, but light. Light would drive out darkness. She was not afraid. <laughs> I cried in this bit. Tears. I was yeah. cooking dinner with my audio book, and Lockie was like, oh, my God, what happened? I'm like, it's just so beautiful. It's just, just going to kill them all, and I'm so excited. <laughs> The murder is just so beautiful. So Rowan at this stage is still pinned to the ground, looking at her basically being consumed by these demons and disappearing into the darkness. And he's still trying to get her and his friends are obviously still holding him back. But he is like, get the actual fuck off of me. I need to go and save my platonic friend. That is definitely, you know, that's fine. Mm -hmm. And next minute, the earth is rumbling. And we get this quote, that's impossible, Gabriel breathes. She burned out. Just go with me on that. I'm trying to be dramatic, but it's really hard. Rowan didn't dare blink. Her burnouts had always been self-imposed, some inner barrier composed of fear and a lingering desire for normalcy that kept her from accepting the true depth of her power. The creatures fed on despair and pain and terror. But what if... What if the victim let go of those fears? What if the victim walked through them, embraced them, as if in answer, flame erupted from the wall of darkness? There she is. She's coming out swinging. She's on fire. Literally, this girl is on fire, and she is the motherfucking fire noodle queen. And Rowan is like, that is my hoe. There she is. And, like, runs towards her. And she's all, like, glowy and shit and has this strange mark glowing on her forehead. But that's fine. We'll just sidestep that. And, like, the gold in her eyes is like a living flame. But again, super chill. Aelin takes two of the creatures out, but there are still two more to go. So she takes out one of them and now she has to go on to the general. But she is fucking spent. She has no fire noodle left in her. She is fucking tired. But Rowan is running towards her. And as he's running, he is slicing his palm. And then he gets to her and we find out that they are Karanal. And we get this quote. Aelin says, to whatever end. And Rowan says, I claim you too, Aelin Galathinius. Literally screaming. Squinching. Squinching? Like a Squinching. Squinching. That's, that's my fucking pants every time I think of Rowan, but that's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, they defeat the Valg. Fuck it up. Well, the singular Valg. The, yeah. the, the Valg in the small community. Um, not as a whole. They defeat a portion of the Valg, not the entirety of the demon entity. This is not supernatural. Carry on my way, son. <laughs> no. But on his way out of existence, General Narak gives Aelin a vision of the future just below. So that's super chill. She, she has a that so raven moment. She's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're back with Dorian and his romantic relationship with Saoirse. And he's mm. just like a cute little puppy dog falling in love with the first vagina that looks his way. <laughs> and, you know, we're all happy for him. Then Kale comes to visit and tells both of them what's been happening with the towers and that his father used his ice magic like Dorian to freeze between the towers located all over the map to stop the magic. 
Yes, my brain stopped working. Dorian ends up replicating this on a small level using water and crystals. They have like a little makeshift science experiment. Everything's grand. Kale ends up telling Sorsha that he thinks this kingdom could use a healer as its queen and Sorsha looks sad. And it's like, sir, calm down. It has not even been three months. Just stop propositioning these women. Kale's Where just getting we? ahead of himself. He's just encouraging the sh- stupid behaviour of Dorian falling in love too quickly by saying this shit. Yeah, look, they're, they're so like, each other. I just thought we'd go on a couple of dates. I didn't think I was mm. signing up to be like the I queen of an empire. I just wanted to fuck him. No, it's marriage or nothing in their world, and it's because they're still trying to hide their gay love. That's it, it is. It Kale, is. Kale wants her to be his beard. He That's does. what's happening in this scenario. Mm. And not his face so, beard. No, not his face beard. <laughs> So Kale and Dorian chat alone and discuss all the things and Dorian is like, my magic is a good change and he doesn't speak to Kale as a prince, he speaks to him as a king. Fuck yeah. So now we're back with our faves and Selena is not not in her prime after all of that trauma and unfortunately she's had a fucking haircut, much to her disgust. <laughs> One of the vowel cretins just like chopped her braid off. So it's like, oh. Thanks. Didn't ask for that much of my ends to be taken off, and yet here I we just, are. I just wanted a short trim, a little bit off the ends, and now I've got a bob. <laughs> yep, essentially. But Rowan is, of course, sulking over her again. And now his cadre have left, all except for Kitty Cat Gavriel. He waits, and Aelin shakes his hand and thanks him, and he asks how old she is, and she says, I would be 19. I wonder why he's asking. Why is it relevant? I didn't even realise this question. Why are we saying this? Why does he want to know how old she is? <laughs> are you frozen? Why aren't you moving? <laughs> okay, so for the listeners, I am reading notes done by Bryony and Georgia, and there's a section <laughs> about Gavriel asking Aelin how old she is. And I don't know why this is relevant. I thought this was just like a little piece of conversation. They had to be polite, like a little bit of small talk, but apparently not. Apparently this has relevance. Why is no, it relevant? No, he's just checking that she's overage so they can fuck. No, but she's not going to fuck him. She's going to fuck Rowan. How do you know? Because they're mates. Oh, my God. Do we need to go through this again with <laughs> mind talking and, and the fucking, like, they're, they're mates, okay? To our listeners, I would really like you to just to... Imagine me and Georgia trying to be chill about uh, so many things in this book, and Ellie is just out here trying to test our resolve. <laughs> That's fine. We're going to just move on. It's absolutely fine. Rowan and Selena. Why am I saying Selena? She's Aelin now. Let's be real. Throughout this book, she's going back and forth. She like starts <laughs> the book still as Selena and saying, no, I'm not Aelin. And then by the end of it, she's like, well, you know what? I kind of am Aelin, hey? So Rowan and Aelin go for a walk to like this beautiful pool thing. And Aileen figures out where the third word key is. She's going over that riddle and she's thinking she knows where it is. It's the amulet of Oren, her like home country situation that she had when she fell in the river. But she can't tell Rowan this because he is bound to Maeve. So she tells him instead her story. And it starts with, Once upon a time, in a land long since burned to ash, there lived a young princess who loved her kingdom very much. The pain I feel right now is phenomenal. Like I actually could just die. Yeah. After she's told her super sad backstory, she smiles at Rowan and he smiles back. She then conjures like a small bubble 
of water and throws it at Rowan because from her magic line, like, obviously she's got a fuck ton of fire magic, but she actually also has, like, a small amount of water magic. So she throws it at Rowan and then he proceeds to throw her in the pool and then laughs and jumps in after her and they have this very cute water fight moment. They then decide to leave the fort and go to Maeve because it's time. Our girl has to go get all of her utensils, including the amulet, and then, like, fuck with Arabin and Artlin. She's got a whole agenda. She's got things to do. So... Aelin says her goodbyes to Luca and Emery and offers them a place in her household when she reclaims her kingdom. Oh, God. We jump to the next chapter and Aiden and Kale and Ren are basically trying to prepare shit. Not literal shit. They're not doing finger painting They're not shit. all on the oh, toilet. Just <laughs> staring each other in the eyes as they shit. No, <laughs> no. Had a nice coffee. They're ready. They're prepped their house. They're ready. No. Coming out of them like lava. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> So that's good. Look, we so, all have our trauma. Aylin, it's, you know, the death of her family. For some people, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> we, all have our, we all have our issues, all of us. Fine. Anyway. <laughs> Basically, they're trying to prepare some stuff and Ren's grandfather runs in. And basically, the news has arrived that Aylin is alive and she helped in the Battle of Wendelin. Everyone is freaking the fuck out. Adian is basically so happy he's about to have an anagasm. And they are making sure that they get the word out to Terrison and any other continents where they have allies. Kale asks them to also get the word to Ilwe to basically tell them that it's time to fight back, which is fuck yes. And we get this quote, which is, hold on, the writers told the world, hold on. Oh, which is just beautiful. I love that. The king is fucking raging though, but Dorian is like deep inside so fucking pleased. And he's waiting for Aelin to come back to him like she promised so that they can change the world together as besties. It's beautiful. <laughs> Hold on to that train of thought. Mm. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, now we're back with Aelin and Rowan and they have arrived in Dorinel. And it is the city of rivers. So essentially it's a pale stone city built on an island in the middle of a shit ton of rivers. Which An absolute mm. shit ton. That's mm-hmm. where they were all shitting this entire time. <laughs> Many rivers of shit. Oh, God. Well, Rowan has been putting some distance between them on their journey there because he doesn't want their relationship to be detected, their friendship, because it's not a relationship yet, even though we all know it is, to be detected by Maeve. And then we meet Maeve again. On either side of her throne are the twin wolves from the cadre. So there's a little dark wolf and there's a little light wolf. And they're best friends. So Rowan just bows and she just lets him sit there like that, bowed to her while she just carries on I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. If I had the power to do this, I would make most men just do that. If Rowan was bowing to me, I'd probably just have an aneurysm so I wouldn't be able to tell him to stand up. No. Yeah, true. Mentally checked the fuck out. I'm like, you actually look better down at that level. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) AKA, eat my pussy. (laughs) (laughs) To clarify, I mean. I need you to eat me. (laughs) Not literally eat me. Eat me out. Eat me like a Sunday roast. Um, anyways. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Eat me like a Sunday roast. Oh dear, I like it. Well, he's not doing that. He's simply just kneeling at this stage. And we learn that the word keys can't be destroyed. They can only be put back in the gate, which we already fucking knew. And we also learn that the Valg princes are fucked and super strong. 
which we also already knew. And then we find out that the word keys are ungodly, black and shimmery. And it's like, none of this is brand new information, Maeve, but thank you anyway for playing along. Yeah, we do then find out that Brannon was bastard born and that the mark on her forehead is the mark of the bastard, which is kind of rude. Mm. <laughs> you are a bastard. That, yeah, we also saw how that turned out for Jon Snow, so... Game of Thrones rats. Jesus Christ. Well, we then find out that the king, if he holds all of these kings, which he'd be powerful. And it's like, again, thanks, Maeve. Already knew we that We know too. this. But you know what? Thank you for just your mansplaining. Carry on. Yeah, she is. My way. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. At this stage, Maeve is like, I know that you know where the third word key is. So, like, where one of them is. So, fucking tell me. And Aelin is like, why would I do that? And so the two wolves then change into fae. Gorgeous fae men, I should say. Twins, literal twins, human human fae twins. One is blonde and one is dark and broody. And it's in a surprising twist of events, I find the blonde one hotter. No one is more shocked than me. But these fae males hold Rowan down. And then Lorcan and Gabriel appear and they are holding whips in their hands. I think it's actually like a cat of nine tails. So it's got like the, the lashy bits on it. It's not just like some kinky foreplay, but Maeve makes them take turns whipping Rowan. And obviously Aelin is furious about this and she's begging her aunt to stop. But Maeve says, not for all the world, Aelin, but what about for Prince Rowan? And when Aelin looks at Rowan, like she's about to be like, well, I'm going to fuck some shit up. And Rowan tells her, don't. Which is like that restraint against that blood oath. Yeah. So that one word is just phenomenal phenomenal absolutely Phen phenomenal phenomenal turns out that Aelin was actually anticipating a Maeve scheme and has been burying down in her map magic for the entire trip to Doranel so for days and so she looks at her aunt and decides to set the world on fire and from here things get steamy and not in a horny way the civilians are just like sh shouting in alarm and she says, one thought from me and your city will burn. It is stone, Maeve snapped. Selena smiled. Your people aren't. Ooh. Fuck it. Oh. Up this. Oh my I God. I loved this. I was like, oh shit. I frothed over it. I was like, this is fan-fucking-tastic. Mm. And we discover that Aelin has put the dots together in a amazing Aelin scheme. And she knows that Maeve wants the keys for herself, but that she's also incredibly scared of Aelin's fire magic, which is super, super interesting. And Maeve is like, don't you threaten me in my own house? And Aelin shows her the vision that General Narok had showed her, which is a future bright with her her leading an army after winning a war, like Adian is there and other Fae warriors are there, but their faces are like obscured in shadow and everyone's Interesting. screaming her name. She has wearing the, she's wearing the word keys and everyone's up. Maeve is thinking, oh fuck, oh my God. But it's still like, I can do whatever the fuck I want with Rowan, he's mine. And Selena is like, well, funny about that because I'm actually here to bargain. I'm here to bargain. I've come to bargain. It's a pawn shop. It's like she's just, she's an Australian visiting Bali for the first time trying to purchase a Bintang singlet. She's like, right. Oh my God. 
I we really didn't learn... expect Bintang to come up. <laughs> no, we did not. So we find out that the ring that fell from Goldrin, you remember that? The sword that Rowan slid towards Aelin on the ice. Mm, the ring fighting. she's had this whole time. Yeah, yeah. That ring is the ring that Athril basically would have given this ring to Maeve. So Athril was the mortal who Maeve loved, but of course she killed him. She eated him. So Maeve wants this ring. And Aelin tells us through her internal monologue that she figured out that Rowan threw her that sword for a reason. He knew that she would find the ring and that it was his only way to give her something to use against Maeve. And Aelin is basically like, I'm going to risk it all for Rowan. I don't care. So she bargains the ring for Rowan's freedom from the Blood Oath. Maeve obviously is like, well, no, the Blood Oath is eternal. Fuck you. But obviously Aelin, because she's the mass manipulator that she is and she is great at bartering, she is that Bing Tang singlet winner. Um, <laughs> Maeve ends up accepting and frees Rowan from his bond. Rowan then runs to Aelin and goes to give his blood oath now to her instead. She's like, absolutely not. You're free. And he's like, no, bitch, let me fucking do this. And then we get these quotes, which is, I claim you, Aelin, to whatever end. And then, oh, together, Fireheart, we'll find a way together, a court that will change the world. And then something snaps between them. The blood oath, the mating bond, the Karanam. Who knows? Who fucking knows? Who knows? But basically Maeve is like, get the fuck out. And then they leave. So that's good. I just poured alcohol all down myself because I was so distressed. So Aelin decides at this stage that she wants to tattoo her back with the losses on her three scars, like with three lines of text, the story of her love and loss, one for her parents and uncle, one for Lady Marion and one for her court and her people. On the smaller, shorter scars were the stories of Nehemia and Sam, her beloved dead. While Rowan is tattooing her, she is singing out all these prayers that she should have done. Like she's grieving it, acknowledging it, following Terrison's customs to put it to rest. I love it. So proud of her. She's come a long way, hasn't she? She really has. Well, now we're going to go back to Manon, our witchy, <clears throat> wit dear witchy friend. So. The war games are here and, you know, the 13 obviously are just the most amazing of them all. And they Absolutely. have been working and planning. They've been doing like heaps of moves, heaps of moves. Dance yeah, that... moves. It's actually just a step up movie. It is. It is a step up movie. It is. They're, they've been playing Just Dance when everyone goes to bed. They're ready. I fucking love that game. Okay. So essentially <laughs> they're playing a giant fuck off game of round robin where the aim is steal the other team's egg i was gonna dragon. say capture the flag yeah sure. round robin's not quite right is it it is capture the flag but egg and on a flying wervin yeah yeah it begins and they easily win the blue blood egg and then they're about to get the yellow legs egg but the blue bloods are there because they're they're trying to be clever little sausages except one big failing they didn't foresee the yellow eggs air <laughs> it's the yellow eggs. The yellow, the yellow eggs, eggs, legs. <laughs> the yellow eggs, eggs, legs. <laughs> uh, 
Is oh, a cunt. God. That's her name, isn't it? Is a cunt. Yeah. Is a cunt. Yeah. Is a cunt just <laughs> is like, hey, Petra, fuck off. And has her werven bite Petra's werven, whose name is Keely, which I think is a cute name for a pet. It's a cute name. And apparently Keely and Abraskos. No. Abraxos. Socks. Abraxos. 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 With his socks, they're friends. So the blue blood air is free falling and everyone is screaming as much as witches who don't have feelings scream. Manon chooses to save Petra over winning the competition and her and Abraxos dive to save them. Petra's wyvern is trying to fly, not to save herself, but to give the others a chance to save Petra. Manon is seeing all of this in the wyvern's expressions and Abraxas roars at Keely and like she levels out He's giving her orders and he's the leader. And Manon sees the love in Keely's eyes trying to save Petra. And so Manon dives off of Abraxos. Manon ends up saving Petra in a super like Indiana Jones type moment, which just makes our hearts scream. This hurts my heart so much. It's literally destroys me. Like I could cry. Yeah. The Blackbeak still won the war games and Manon is crowned wing leader of the entire witch army, essentially, in front of everyone. The matrons give her, as a reward, a crocken witch to kill. The crocken starts blabbering and telling Manon that they are made into killers and that the crockens feel bad for them. And when she tells Manon to kill her, it is a plea. Manon puts her out of her misery, but to everyone else, it looks like a normal kill. But Manon's got all these feelings. She ends up leaving the celebration and goes flying with Abraxos, and they are watching the sunset, and she can't stop thinking about the love in Keely's eyes as she saved Petra. She almost feels mortal for a moment. Oh, God. You just, like, jump from that beautiful moment to Kale being a fucking baby again and who you know who fucking cares at this point he basically knows that selena would pick him but aelin wouldn't but it doesn't matter because he can't deflect the fact that he can't fucking accept her anyway yeah he's a fucking dickhead he really is anyway so kale tells adian basically to tell selena aka aelin he keeps calling her selena because he's a fucking idiot that he barely had anything to do with the rebellion and like helping out adian which is weird, whatever, we don't care. But he's basically planning to get out of the castle to get him, Dorian, and Sorsha out of the motherfucking castle. But then he receives a summons. And when he arrives to the king's chambers, oh no, Adian is already there. And he is surrounded by 15 guards who Kale doesn't recognize. So that's just great. And problem. the king was grinning. Also grinning. a problem. When this fuck is happy, you know shit is not good. You know shit ain't good. So Dorian ends up running into Sorsha. She's, like, at her workbench. But when he tries to get her to leave, the older hero is like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, the king has summoned you. And this is not fucking good. This is not good. The king knows something is up and he forces Sorsha to her knees. So we've got Dorian, Kale, Adian, and Sorsha in the throne room in front of the king. The king is ready to cut Sorsha's head off, but then Adian confesses to being a traitor. He silently conveys the message to Kale that he will take the hit, but he needs Kale to tell Aelin everything when she arrives. 
The king then decides that he plans on keeping Adian alive to draw Aelin here. Eek, that is a problem. It, it gets worse because then the king turns yeah. to Sorsha and he's like, you know what? You're a traitor. You've been selling information to your friend. She tells Dorian that she wished they had more time and that she wasn't meant to love him, but she does. Dorian then starts begging his father to spare her and that he will do anything. But Daddy is like, mm, nope, no. off with her head. <laughs> yeah, her head just... Heads will roll, in fact. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Heads did roll. They did Heads indeed. Did so we have this quote. Adian began roaring, roaring and cursing at the king, thrashing against his chains, but the guards hauled him away, and Kale was too stunned, of course he fucking was, to do anything. Of course he was. Of course he fucking was. He hasn't done his job this far. Why would he start there? Exactly right. Mm. And then Dorian, still screaming, was scrambling through the blood toward it, toward her head, as if he could put it back, as if he could piece her together. Oh, That's like no. a very terrible Humpty Dumpty joke. A really <laughs> bad one. Oh, no. Oh, he could no. not, in fact, put her back together again. No, he could mm -hmm. not. Yeah, no, her head's not attached. No. She did, in oh, fact, dear. shatter to pieces. So, Dorian's not doing very well in all of this. He is, in fact, a little bit frazzled, as you would be. Kale That's has now decided frequent. that is it is the time to get his sword out. He's like, oh, yep, yep, behead, beheaded. Okay, I shall fight now. And we get this quote. There is a queen in the north, and she has already beaten you once. She will beat you again and again because of what she represents and what your son represents is what you fear most, hope. You cannot steal it no matter how many you rip from their homes and enslave. You cannot break it no matter how many you murder. And it's like, Kale, you've had one good quote in the whole book and here it is. In the whole also, book. So, Kale, stop giving him ideas. Yeah, yeah you fuck. The king is also like super nonchalant about all of it and he's like, I don't care, kill him. And then Dorian <laughs> is like, hang on. Oh, Not magic. my boyfriend. <laughs> Well, yeah, so he stops the murder of his boyfriend, but not the murder of Sorsha. It's because he's gay. <laughs> he's gay. Gay. That's fine. Turns out, with no shock, that this whole thing was actually a trick to get Dorian to show his power, which he does, and he freezes all of the soldiers in the room and is like, run, and says, when you come back, burn this place to the ground. We get this moment, which again, gay, is this quote. He looked at his friend, perhaps for the last time, and said what he had always known from the moment they'd met when he'd understood that the price was his brother in soul. I love you. Dorian merely nodded, eyes still blazing, and lifted his hands again towards his father. Brother, friend, king, which if you retract the brother, and put in boyfriend, just swap the B words, <laughs> it is gay. Gay! We love our bread. We love, we love our brother. We're not our brother. We fuck each other. We love our bread. We love our butter. But most of all, we do not love our brother in that way. <laughs> no, but no, we, we do not. fuck each other. Me! <laughs> There's so many ways you could go with that. That's brilliant. So... Dorian is obviously fighting his father, and but he has nothing left at this point. And he thinks that his father will kill him, but no. He puts it's one worse. of those 
black collars around his neck and that is terrifying to us all. Kale is running because, of course, that's what he does best. He grabs Fleetfoot on his way out, which, thank God. Thank Thank God. And he goes through the tombs. He tells Mort where he'll be just in case Aelin ever comes back. And the castle is silent when he gets to the end of the tombs and he doesn't basically want to know if Dorian is dead or alive. He is like fuck yeah it's too quiet so he goes to find ren and we find out that ren is the one that sorcerer was actually feeding the information to and he's basically like absolutely get on bitch we're going shopping okay in the notes this bit says a weird chapter about someone throwing an eagle pommel blade into the river he had no name now no position or title save oath breaker traitor liar wait did you guys not realize that this was Kale throwing his captain's sword into the Avery River. As I said, I write these notes as I was reading, and I didn't figure it out until the end of the book, and I was like, oh. Or, like, at least at the next chapter, and I had already written it at that point, so I was like, oh, well, it's gone. See, I read it as it could have been Rowan, because he, the, remember, the top of his sword had the, the little birdie on top because he's a hawk. So when they re- referenced the That's eagle, the I was like... the captain's sword. Yeah, but Rowan is a bird. So I just was like, bird Rowan, because that's where my brain now lives. And I was like, he's throwing away his sword because now he's sworn the blood oath to... I think for me, I think of Rowan's main weapon of choice as a hatchet. Oh, okay then. Like when he's fighting the skinwalkers and they're on the run, he's using a hatchet. And then going forward, he uses a hatchet quite a lot. And I don't know why, but the idea of him wielding a small axe is quite attractive. So... Flash forward and Rowan and our girl are traveling. He is obviously a part of her court now and Rowan isn't happy because Aelin is planning to return to Rifthold as Selena. And he's like, big nope, big, big, big nope. And she's like, look, I'm fucking going, you moody fey bastard. So just take it or leave it. And he has to do something else with his time while she's there. And we get this quote, which is, I'm going, Rowan. I will gather the rest of my court our court, and then we will raise the greatest army the world has ever witnessed. I will call in every favour, every debt owed to Selena Sardothian, to my parents, to my bloodline, and then, and then I am going to rattle the stars. Oh, my God. Ah! It is fucking on. Fuck like, this motherfucker. You finish Throne of Glass and you're like, okay, cool, it's like here. And then you finish Crown of Midia and you're like, whoa, the stakes are high. And then you finish Air of Fire and you're like, whoa, the stakes are high. Seriously. Fuck me. We end up finding out next as well that Rowan actually prayed to Marla the morning before Aiden met with Maeve. He prayed for her to make it through the encounter and then he had a selfish wish. And she knows that he basically wished to go with her. And we get this quote. Rowan shrugged, a secret smile on his face as he wiped away the tear that escaped down her cheek. For some reason, Marla likes me and agreed that you and I make a formidable pair. Because you're fucking mates. I want to fucking die. I literally want to die. So she ends up boarding the boat to go back to Rifthold. And Rowan is like flying overhead in his hawk form and says bye bye by like touching her face with his wing, which yeah, is absolutely yeah, fuck fucking not. Look, Rowan, that's a bit much. And I can imagine I would just fuck with the both of you if I was a bird. Yeah. I'd just be like, you really would. Shitting on your head. Um, you would just come right up in my face and flap. Oh my God. It would cause me so much grief. Mm-mm. So we then get this quote to end the book, which 
is. Are you ready? Oh, this fucking hurts. She was Aelin Ashriver Galathinius, and she would not be afraid. Oh. Oh, my God. Why why does it hurt, though? Like, I find that amazing. Next book. Okay. Next book. Next book. Assassin's Blade. I'm scared. I'm scared. scared. Don't worry. Don't worry. You've still got time for trauma. Cool. Well, that's the end of the book. That's it. We finished Aerofire, guys. Well, shall we jump straight into music references? Absolutely. Absolutely. So first of all, we have a classic, You Should See Me in a Crown by Billie Eilish. Just a very fitting end to the book. Little quote, watch me make them bow one by one. Yes, I quite enjoy that. Mm -hmm. And then another, it's called If You Want Love by NF, which is just such a good lyrical song, very representative of Aylan's past and her trauma. And then my favourite, something called A Little Wicked by Valerie Broussard, and it mm-hmm. is amazing. So yes. the quote in this song is, To that king I will bow at least for now because I am a little wicked. Oof. So it's sort of like a little bit hmm, interesting. Damn, good Good call, Ellie. Good choices. So the first one is by Snow Rocks, and it's basically Rowan Whitethorn, and it makes me want to rip my panties off. It's Rowan with short hair. Ooh. Yeah, because remember in this book he does have long hair. It's very Henry Cavill in The Witcher type. Yeah, yeah. But I uh, just if you to put this were going to say Tamlin then, I would have fucking raged. He gives oh, me the opposite of Tamlin vibes. Not. But as soon as she said longer hair, I was like, mm-mm, nope. No. I really no, 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 no. I just had to put this fan art out there just so that you could see, Ellie, this is exactly how I picture Rowan. This yeah. is like mm-hmm. it for me. This is Rowan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the next one is Ink Fay Art, and it's basically Rowan and Aelin dressing up as characters from The Witcher, which I fucking love. <laughs> so good. So, so hot. And then, obviously, we have... Mads Cofield because that is just fucking she's just great. And she's the artist that did the overlays, the actor page overlays. Oh yay! Mm. So she's done one of Manon in Abraxos, which I love. I love it. It's gorgeous. I love it. And then we also have this fan art, which is my favorite Manon fan art of all fucking time. Because I just think she looks so fucking hot. And I think that's like exactly how I pictured her. She looks powerful. She looks gorgeous. And it's by Port of Darlings. And it's literally, it just, it just, it's everything to me. It is just the most perfect representation of Manon in my eyes. So my fan art to start with is three pieces by Clary Y, Logana Zero Anagram and Gabriella Beduso, which is the moment where Aelin and Rowan become Karanam. And it's got Rowan with his long hair and it's just gorgeous. And then I've got two pieces by Morgana Zero Anagram of Adian. So that's just our little introduction to him in our fan art. And then if George has got her favourite Manon, I've got my favourite Manon of all time, and that is by Elethri Arts. She's so fucking hot. She's so uh, she's unearthly hot, isn't she? Yeah. Like she's looking down her nose at you because she's better than you and you know she's better than you. Yeah, You're you'll take it. it. Yeah, I'd love her to boss me around. But, yeah, that's our fan art for this week, guys. 
Coming up next on the podcast is the Never King by Nikki St. Crow. So we're going to have a special guest on for that episode. So that will be very exciting. That's our little palette cleanser in between Throne of Glass just to break things up which is very hard because all we want to do is keep reading it, but we're trying, we're trying. And when we come back after that Throne of Glass, we will be starting with the Assassin's Blade. But yeah, so that's what we'll be covering next. So please stay tuned. Well, that's it from us for another week. We hope you enjoyed. Please do all the things to get us in more people's ears because as you know, we like to invade your personal space. We love to be consensually in your crevices. We do. We do indeed. You can find us wherever you're listening to us right now. We're also on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram when we're not shadow banned. When we're not shadow banned or just straight mm. out banned. Sometimes it's not even the shadow. Yeah. We're risky <laughs> bitches, that's why. But we'll leave you with that for the week. We are. We love you all. Thank you yeah. for listening. And we will see you for our next episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.